We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, friends. This episode of Big Blue Banter is brought to you by PrizePix. Head on over to PrizePix and use promo code BANTER and they'll match up to $100 on a new deposit. Thank you and enjoy. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by my co-host Nick Bellato. It's been a while since we did a podcast here, Nick. Nick and I have both been on vacations. Mine is actually extending through the end of this weekend, sort of, but I'll be working from work and play type of type of little thing here. But I am just fresh off a flight from out of the country, literally just got through customs, got into, inside the hotel room door and hopped on the computer. That's how much I care. That's how much we care about this podcast. And we didn't want to take off too much more than just a week, but everyone deserves a vacation. So I'm happy Nick got some time off. I'm happy I got some time off. And obviously March is going to be a busy month for us. April's going to be an even busier month for us. So we needed a little calm before the storm here. And just a little, little reminder for the next week of shows, we'll be doing um, a bunch of content. We're going to be doing a multi-part mailbag. I know some people said you want us to keep it shorter, so we're just going to break it up into parts. We're also going to continue with our series and any news on the Giants as well. Uh, now I'm back in the country, so I'll be able to kind of record whenever. It wasn't able to then. But uh, as a in addition to that, um, I did not. I wasn't able to bring my whole mic set up in the mixer and everything uh to florida and costa rica with me my whole trip out here so i'm just recording from the apple mic and so my sound's going to be definitely worse and off and different than nick's uh, i know some people asked about one person asked about the sound but then i followed up with that person they said oh i hadn't listened to the podcast since september and that's when we got the sound and the mic and the mixer or when i got it i should say and they said i just listened to a new episode and it does sound great so thank you for that i appreciate that unfortunately now you've started re-listening to us and you're gonna have to deal with this mic for a little while this is the apple computer macbook mic so you may think oh was he just kind of tricking me was dan just tricking me and putting a fake episode out there and make it look like he's improved his mic sound but no rest assured the mic will return once i return back to new jersey and that's you really I- just opened the show just for this one guy explaining like, like you yeah. went on like 45 seconds just to explain to this one listener why you might not have yeah. the most crisp mic right now Yes, I need it to be clear that I will have a good mic very soon, but not for another week. But mailbag shows are my favorite. Nick, before we get into it, because once you get into it, you just get rolling with it. I want to know how you're doing and how your how your little break off was. Yeah, it was good, man. I went down to Fredericksburg, Virginia with a bunch of friends toward the battlefield, just like we did last year with Antietam. And uh, I'm, I love this civil war history and things of that nature and just reconnecting with some of my, uh, some of my boys. So that was good. And then we went to D.C. and now I'm home. Good. Glad to hear it. And glad you're back. Um, I actually don't know why I thought you also were visiting Diana uh, uh, going down there. Was that not part of the? Okay. No, no. Other time. Okay. 
Well, I will get I will get going then, Nick, and let's get rolling on this mailbag. We got a bunch of questions in. Again, we're going to break this up into multiple parts. Um, we're going to start with Frank Corona, our boy Corona, AF257, who asks us, what are your guys' early thoughts on J.J. McCarthy? Do you think he has the necessary traits that a Brian Dable can turn – Brian Dable offense, I assume you mean, can turn into a franchise quarterback? Also, what is both of your go-to hangover food? Nice. All right, Dan. So I think you're probably more tailored to answer both of these questions right here. I don't really have a go-to hangover food. And as for J.J. McCarthy, from what I've seen, a very good athlete, somebody who I've seen make some very impressive throws, but I haven't necessarily broken down the Michigan tape as much as I want to quite yet. I am saving a lot of these guys for April because that's going to be the month where we really dive into the quarterback prospects. JJ, I've seen you tweet about him, so I think this is uh, probably best for you to take this answer. And also, I am curious to know what uh, your hangover food is. Yeah, I haven't seen a lot of JJ yet. I just I, I recently was tweeting about him. And I was talking to somebody who asked me a bunch about quarterbacks, and I was like, hey, "Look, I just started watching some games on him right before I left for this trip. I watched two games, but I still not nearly as much as I've seen in May or Williams. But I will say, when it comes to traits, I'm not so sure how much I will need to see to have my feelings on that. I mean, the more I see, the more I can get. Like, oh, he made that tight window throw, or oh, he was able to anticipate where this receiver is going to be. And you'll see that as you go through more tape. Or you'll see the opposite of it, like, oh, shit, he you know, didn't process this fast enough and look at where the ball came out. I think his traits are pretty underrated, though, from an on-talent standpoint. I think I've seen him make some throws that are just like, wow, that's an impressive throw outside the numbers with good velocity and good ball placement. And I don't think he often gets that billing. I think as I go through my initial take, Nick, and obviously Frank, on McCarthy, my concerns are less with arm talent and things of that nature and more with just his overall frame. I know a lot of people discuss that he can grow into his frame, Nick, and that he's going to, you know, not be what he is now. And it's generally that discussion, Nick, is based on the fact that he's so young. And I understand that, but I don't think that's a given or a guarantee. And you've kind of turned me on to this, but I do sometimes worry about these types of frame quarterbacks. Now, let's take a look at what he's listed at. Because I think I he's like 205, man. Like, I think it's pretty, pretty freaking small. That's just listed too. And that's why Michigan 6'3, they list him at 203. I would imagine he's not that big yet, just from how he looks on tape and based on what we know about teams and colleges overstating height and weight. I would also bet that when we get to the combat, he might be like 6'2, 6'2 and a half. But these are just guesses. But if he's 6'2, like 196, it just it just it starts to scare me. You start to see a lot of these, you know, you turn me on to Bryce Young prospect who I liked his his um, anticipatory throwing some of what I saw on tape at Bama and you know I haven't obviously liked some of the tape I've seen at the NFL level and just the broadcast I've seen of him so I'm a little concerned more about his frame Nick than I am about his arm talent but I also don't feel like so people are like talking up McCarthy like oh shit he's got that kind of next level arm talent when I look at this class like I don't really personally think that next level arm talent is really there in my opinion for anyone but the big two you could throw in yeah. Milton, I guess, but like I don't really agree with the Milton takes. Like Milton has strong arm, arm strength, but like you'll watch him miss a throw in the flat where he can't change his arm slot, Milton, the kid from Tennessee, and you're like, eh, that doesn't look it. But when I watch May and when I watch Caleb, that to me is like that next level of arm talent. And I think McCarthy's intrigued me, Nick, because he's like not at that tier, but he's on the next tier. And if you're at the next tier and you also have a lot of other traits that we like, that's when I can start to get excited. You know, even to an extent, like when we first drafted Jones, I was excited, even though I didn't like to me, McCarthy has clearly better arm talent than Jones. I don't I was never a real believer in Jones arm talent. I've always found it overstated. 
by fans and 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 I guess I don't really know why, but you know, maybe because they want it to work. But I think it's above level from that. But I was a little excited about Jones in the sense that like maybe he can be this amazing processing quarterback coming from Duke, learning from Cutcliffe. I loved his upper body arm mechanics. Those are the things I'm gonna want to focus on more, Nick, as I go through more McCarthy tape, his mechanics, both upper body and lower half, because that's something I haven't really studied yet. And if all those other things start to click for me, Nick, that's when I'll get excited. But as far as arm talent goes, I don't really feel it's on that elite level, personally. Um, I know Monty and uh, Sal, they're they're fans of J.J. McCarthy, and they have a podcast called He's a Giant, I believe is what it's called. I encourage a lot of people to go and listen to them, and Sal actually is next up, and he asks oh, wait i gotta get my hangover food i gotta get my hangover food you know i have it. oh oh okay well that was such a seamless transition though <laughs> so i'm gonna say this one thing because it has nothing okay, there's okay. no substance to the to the answer that we're gonna provide sal just wants us to say i dare you to say nick rbbc three times in a row to dan with a straight face <laughs> <laughs> we're not gonna do it but uh, i think dan might uh might, might crack a smile a little bit yeah you got one there sal um as far as favorite hangover food for me it's a classic Everything bagel, Taylor ham, egg and cheese. That's the one for me. I mean, it's the one that gets me through everything. It's got everything I need. It's got the grease. It's got the egg for sustenance. And it's got the bread to soak up all that horrible, horrible stuff you put in your body. And I just came off a really, really bad weekend of uh, treating my body. So in ways that are just beyond beyond comprehension to me at this stage of my life. I haven't partied like that since I was like 20-something years old. So it, was a, it took a toll on me. Somehow I, I'm able to do this bod right now. I'm like fading with energy, Nick, but this is rejuvenating me because I've been wanting to talk ball with you for a little while now because we've had such a break. So we'll get to the next one here, and this one is from Robert, 35Robert16. If the Giants walk out of free agency and the draft without legit competition for Daniel Jones at quarterback, how soon is it too soon to start looking – at the top five of the 2025 draft? I would start looking at it immediately. Cause I think the giants are in a rebuild mode right now. And if you're in a rebuild mode, you're more than likely going to suck. Meaning hopefully if the rebuild is going well, you have a top five pick for the next draft. Who is it? That's going to be the top five quarterbacks selected next year. And that doesn't mean they're going to be, but I want at least an idea on who those players are and maybe some early games that I can watch to see how they may transition into an offense that the Giants might not even have in 2025 at that point. Well, yeah, that that that's that's the end end part about it. And I think it would be too soon. Like, how soon is too soon? It would be too soon for a multitude of reasons. First of all, like the only top five I care about, Nick, when it comes to looking ahead, are quarterbacks at this point. Like, if we get into a class spot where we can get Malik Neighbors this year, great. I'm happy. Like that type of player, great. I think he's a blue chip. I'm excited about the prospect of it. But like, if they're at that point again. And it's another failed season. I just want quarterback at that. I, I need I need some quarterback type hope. And I, and that's what I'll be like looking early ahead. But I'll say this. I don't necessarily think, Robert, that the Giants are definitely going to be a team in that mix again for a multitude of reasons. Like, I think if the year if there was going to be a year where the Giants were in the top five conversation and they were going to have a chance at one of these top talented quarterbacks, this was it. This was the year. They needed to not have those six turnovers against Washington. They needed to not have Mac Jones dump interceptions off and miss the field goal at the end. They needed to find a way to lose that second Washington game, and they would have been in. But next year, I don't know if all those breaks are going to happen. Like, it's going to be two coaches coaching, you know, it's going to be coaches and a GM coaching for their lives. Right. So down the stretch when everyone's like, even if they're in the mix for one of those picks, you know, it's going to be balls to the wall, everything on the line, every player hurt is going to be playing. There probably won't be the Leonard Williams trade that Joe Shane made last year to help the team this year, because it'll be like, my ass is on the line. I need to continue to try to win these games to prove to John Mara who, you know, believes strongly in winning is the main John Mara to him. Like I've said this before, I'll say it again. 
and this is part of I like John Mayer as an owner, and I know I'm alone, I'm close to alone in that, Nick, though I know you kind of like him too. I, I just feel like there's so many bad owners in sports, he doesn't personally qualify for me. But one thing I don't like about him is how he views success. He views success as if you can get a nine-win season and you can get meaningful games in MetLife Stadium at the end of a season, he would take that year after year after year after year and you know grind to a playoff game, have no real hope of a Super Bowl, but, but get to the playoffs and have those games in December in the home stadium packed in January. So like to him, that success, to me, I want long-term success. I want sustainability. I want to compete and win divisions two of every three years, for example. And so to him, like, you know, he'll take, they don't have to, the bar's not set that high, in my opinion, for Dable and Shane to keep their jobs. They just, And so with that said, they're going to want to win every possible game down the stretch. So I actually think it might be too, like, I think it's almost the opposite. I think that they won't really be in that mix. And, you know, they had a lot of circumstances, in my opinion, that led to their poor record this year, Nick. The, the slew of injuries in the offensive line, like, is that going to happen every year? Probably not, maybe, but probably not. So, I think it would be too early, Robert. And I think for this, at this point, Nick, where I'm at with this is just, if it happens, it happens. And they get one of these chances at a top talent quarterback at some point in our lifetime. I have never, I have only had it once in my entire lifetime, 2004. That was the only chance. That was the only time in my life where I felt like the Giants had a chance to draft a top tier talent quarterback. Cause I did not believe Daniel Jones or Dwayne Haskins were at that level. And I, you know, I'm on record of that. And you can find all the, the content. I felt like Kyler Murray was Nick. And I might be wrong about that. We'll see what happens. And maybe part of that isn't the talent. It's part of the, you know, the, the, the work ethic and the processing. But I knew the Giants didn't have a chance at him that draft, right? He was going one overall. I yeah. knew it. You knew it. Even though they were at his pro day, they were spending a lot of resources there. I just knew it wasn't real. So the real only time in my life I had a chance at a top-tier quarterback talent was 2004. So I'm just like, that's been so long ago, Nick. It's 19 years at this point or 20 years at this draft. Like, if it happens, it happens in my lifetime. But I'm just not going to count on it anymore. Baraldo asks, which position is not being talked about but can be addressed with one of the second round picks? Honestly, which position might not be addressed by a second round pick? I think is the question we should be asking. I wouldn't be shocked if the Giants went with any position, I think, with the second round pick other than maybe like inside linebacker. Yeah, I mean, so let's I think I agree with you on that. I'm just trying to think. Like inside linebacker would probably be the shocking or this is was not being talked about can be addressed. So that one probably won't be addressed, right? No inside yes. line. I would say running back is not really being discussed much, but could be there. I'd be disappointed as hell if that was the pick. And that doesn't go for every class. I love going running back in some classes. This is just not the class for me at running back. I do not like I keep seeing like Braylon Allen discussions for RB1. It, and I'm a Wisconsin fan. You people claim me to me to be a homer with draft picks. If the Giants take Braylon Allen as a second, even a third round pick, I'll be disappointed as hell i've seen this kid his entire career at wisconsin this is one of the worst backs we've had come through the draft class like the fact that he's even in the mix for rb1 is not a good sign for the top of this rb class so that one would be one that would shock me but uh, that would disappoint me but it wouldn't shock me nick because the giants have a big need at that position um another one would be safety i think those are the two for me safety and bat and running back if they yeah. let me walk i think again i think any position is up in the air so i don't know which uh i don't know if any of them would shock me other than inside linebacker, because I, right. I can see the Giants, and I don't think, and I agree with you with running back. If the Giants do that, I don't think shocked is the right word. I'd be disappointed right. if the Giants spent what about safety. Game. Nick, I would not be disappointed if the Giants went safety. I think the safety is a need, and, and a lot of this still rides on what are the Giants going to do with Xavier McKinney. That is a question that we obviously don't have an answer. But say they retain Xavier McKinney, and then they spent it on safety. Look, 
Shane Bowen, if you're drafting for Shane Bowen, and Shane Bowen really loves a safety, he loves to use three safety sets. Do Are the Giants right now comfortable enough with Dane Belton to be that third safety? I'm not 100% certain. And if they love somebody who is going mm-hmm. to be out there for over 500 defensive snaps because of these three defensive personnel packages, I'm not going to sit there and throw a fit, especially if he's a good football player. And there are a lot of unique safeties in this draft class, guys who are like six foot four, like the kid from Miami, mm-hmm. right? Like there's, there's a lot of guys that I, I don't think I would throw a fit if the Giants entertained it, but it also depends on who else is on the board. And that's really what it is. There's, there's an opportunity to cost every decision that you make. And if the Giants pass on, say, a cornerback, somebody who could start opposite of Deontay Banks or a wide receiver, if they do not go wide receiver in the first round, maybe I'll be like, oh, well, you know, I I would have liked them to maybe go in this direction, but I'm going to trust them in this situation. I'm with you on that because I think a lot of time people are like, they go down the board and needs Nick and they're like, you know, got to do this. We got to fill corner. We got to fill edge. And it's like sometimes the best player there is nowhere close to an edge on their board when they're at the scouting and evaluation. So don't force it. You got to take the best player. You don't want to always just take the best player. You don't want to draft a running back at two and number yeah. two overall again. Like you don't want to go back down that bad, but you got to just for the most part take the best player with exceptional positions. One more position I'll throw out there though, Nick, that wouldn't, again, nothing would surprise or disappoint or shock me. Disappoint was the other word I would use based on where I'm at. I would think that if they go the route of drafting a wide tight end in the second round, Nick, okay. it would it wouldn't be what I love because it, it wouldn't. I don't think it says great things about their long term view of what Bellinger can be for them. And I know me and you are on the page, the stronghold page of we've seen this dude's tape over and over and over again. It's literally what we do on this podcast for our, the main core of our pot, and we just love the tape so much that we be we think there's. 10-year potential with him at the Y position for the Giants. So I wouldn't like them. I'd be, if they draft a Y tight end with that early capital, it, would, it wouldn't be the greatest thing for me. Yeah, I actually thought about thought about bringing up the the Y tight end position, just the tight end position in general. I, I want the Giants to draft the tight end. I just, I just don't think I want it with one of their first three picks yeah. with this current roster. I think you just have a lot of other holes, and you could just judging off of it, look, I, I don't have a full comprehensive understanding of the draft as of right now. I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. It does seem like there will be tight ends that will be available on day three that can come in and that can contribute similar to maybe a Daniel Bellinger, maybe not to the level of Daniel Bellinger in his rookie season, but maybe similar. So I would rather go that route than, than spend a top 60 pick on on that position. And I don't hate the idea, Nick, of because I'm with we we don't want to have what we had last season where like if Bellinger gets injured, there's nothing you can do. <laughs> yeah, but like, screwed. <laughs> yeah it's like, you just can't do that again. And maybe that could be a day three option. But I also just think like in this offense, it like if it gets to the point, like, if everything goes right and Dable's here for the next five years and chains with him, the, the premier offense is like an explosive vertical offense like we saw in Buffalo. And that one really didn't feature tight ends. Like even the one tight end they had sometimes didn't get on the field that often. So like it just I know last year we saw a lot of two tight end sets. But I think that was more to do with the quarterback personally and the offensive line. Like they're just not, you can't really let this quarterback operate like a three receiver type offense. It just doesn't get through it fast enough. So I think that had more to do with that, but I don't know how long this quarterback's going to be here. Brian Heffy asks, my wife has been telling me that football and big blue banter are the quote, other women unquote. How do I better hide my football obsession? I, I am, I, I'm blushing right now. Brian, that is that is a, that is a compliment that I absolutely love. But Dan, how do you want to tackle this one? One of the nicest things anyone's ever said to us in a mailbag, without a doubt. Um, the fact that you look, everyone in every relationship has an other woman. Sometimes it's golf for some people, you know, gambling, whatever it might be. Football is one of them for a lot of people. But the fact that Big Blue Banter is also in that is just awesome. I still, I'm always blown away, Nick, by like 
some of the people who like like Brian and we've known Brian for a while now. We've just yeah. been diehard fans for a while. Like that stick through like and want more of a specific one team podcast like four or five episodes a week especially when that team is just god awful for so long like i i saw some old friends of mine this past weekend and one of them's a diehard giants fan and he's like i you know dude i'm so sorry i really haven't listened to much big blue banter it's so hard for me like you know after week three four five six seven it's just so hard for me and i was like i get that like i know the level of fan you're at and i'm and i don't want you to be someone you're not as a fan like you're not the type if you're a diehard fan, it doesn't make you less of a diehard fan to not listen to a diehard fan type podcast when the team is god awful and doesn't actually have any real hope in your mind. And I'm okay with that. So, but I said when we're back, when we're good again, I expect you back on, and I know you will be. It's not that I expect it, and I'm hoping you will be. I know you will be, and I think that people like you, Brian, who have stuck with us through these horrific years, those are the real dot, the real, the real, the you know what, what's the word for it? Um, the real what? What did real MVP? Real MVP. There it is, the Kevin Durant. Yeah. Real MVP. Yeah. Okay, Dave. Rohan S. asks, controversial question. Dave's and company. Wait, wait, wait. We didn't even answer Brian's question, by the way, Nick. So let, let me try to think of something. Oh, like yeah, good point. So so how does he better hide it? So how does uh, he better hide his football obsession? I would say you don't need to hide your football obsession. If you're obsessed with football, I would encourage you to own it. Now, if you're being cudgeled into hiding it by your wife... That's where I, I don't really know if I have the best the best answer for you. But this is something that I've kind of dealt with as well in my own relationship. Oh, yeah. but I just kind of tell Diana, I'm like, look, like this is kind of how it is. This is what you're getting. Uh, this is the part of the package that you're wanting to hit your wagon to. So you're just kind of <laughs> gonna have to accept it. And I'm not saying that in like a like a. It's not like I don't believe it. It it uh, overrides a relationship ever. But it's just like, hey, I I'm a football guy. It's what I do, and you kind of gotta accept that at that point. Yeah. Also, you always have the best excuse, and you know, you and I will always have the best excuse in any spot. It's it's my job. It's work. What do you want from me? So no, for those who don't have that excuse, and a lot of people don't have that excuse, uh, maybe one idea would be like you try to get your wife into football somehow, some way, and then it's like a thing you guys do together. That would be maybe my best advice for this. And then you don't even have to hide it. But anyway, Rohan asked Nick, "I have a controversial question. Dave's and company brought in win." Wink was in the NFL for a considerable amount of time. It is obvious that Wink wasn't a team player. However, what does that say about Dable that he wasn't aware of Wink's issues prior to the hire? Interesting. I don't know. I don't know if if it necessarily says that Dave's wasn't aware of the issue. I think he saw Wink as a as a very respectable and difficult defensive coordinator to go against. I think Brian Dable has schemed against Wink Martindale throughout both of their times in the NFL. And he knew that Wink Martindale was a difficult defensive coordinator to go against. So he was hiring him based on what he can do as a defensive coordinator, not necessarily on, Hey, we're going to be best friends because I don't know how many coaches in the NFL are like, Hey, yippee skippy do let's go grab ice cream after practice. I don't really think it's right. like that. I think they all view it as a business. It just right. got to a boiling point because I think Wink Martindale did not like the fact that Brian Dable was trying to put his fingerprints rightfully. So he's the head coach of the right. team. He should be able to say, Hey, I'm the head coach. I want you to do this. And Wink Martindale just did not respect Brian Dable's defensive football acumen. And then it was the butting of the head. So I don't necessarily blame Brian Dable for, for being, unaware of Wink's issues. I think this is just kind of the natural process. The natural business of football is a lot of these guys have huge egos. And yes. when you're losing football games, those egos are really going to clash. And I, I don't really hold that against Brian Dable. <laughs> look, it came to a boiling point. So you can look at him and be like, you're the head coach. This is your fault. 
But Brian Dable has every right as the head coach to tell or ask or try and influence Wink Martindale to do what he wants. That's how the chain of command is set up in the NFL. And, and to me, I don't, I don't view Brian Dable negatively. And I don't necessarily think that he, uh, that he was unaware of the, of the issues as, uh, as the question lays out. That's not how I interpret it, Rohan. Yeah, say, uh, uh, Rohan, I would say this. Like, everyone puts their best foot forward in their first initial interview, right? Like, Wink Martindale's interview with Brian Dable, I wouldn't be su uh, sub uh, surprised if he brought up some of what happened at the end of his tenure in Baltimore. It was like, look, I'm going to make these changes. This is what's going to happen. And then things change after the interview. You get into the job, and there's moments that you have. Look, you know, it's tough. I don't blame Brian Dable even for some of the things that he did trying to put his fingerprint and, uh, on the defense at points because guess what? Your job is on the line if your defensive coordinator is not doing a good job and your defense is not doing a good job. Not that that was the case, but in moments that you felt like you could change things for the better. And it's on you to keep your job to do it. Like, look at the Super Bowl, for example. Kyle Shannon has to call a timeout because Steve Wilkes is playing such a soft zone at that final KC drive in overtime. And it's too late at that point. KC has moved down the field far enough, and there's not enough he can do at that point. But, like, yeah. Should he have just let it keep going? Should he have let Steve Wilkes just go do whatever the hell he wants to do? And the game, I mean, it ended up anyway, they lose, but it would have been a definite loss that way. No, like that's, it, it, I don't think the coach just defer at all times defensive corner, even if that was maybe even agreed upon when they first came together, Wink and Dave. I think things can change when losing happens, like you said, Nick. So I don't really blame him for that. And I also don't blame him for not getting a good read as Rohan might, might uh, be suggesting here on Wink to begin with, because again, like he's, that first interview is is going to be the best foot forward. That's how things go. Absolutely. And look, that doesn't mean that Brian Dable isn't a micromanager either. Like, I think Brian Dable is a micromanager, and that's just who he is, right? Maybe you can say, hey, try to not micromanage as much, but it's easier said than done when you're losing football games and you think as a head football coach that you can do something to prevent your team from losing football games by maybe asking your defensive coordinator to, I don't know, listen to his head coach. Yes, I completely agree with you on that one, Nick. All right. Jacob Shaduck asks, having a hard time figuring out what's going to happen this offseason. I think we all are, actually. Yeah. On that note, what does your ideal offseason look like? Ooh, ideal offseason, man. I don't know if I have an ideal offseason. I think it would include re-signing Xavier McKinney. So let's start there. You can't get rid of Daniel Jones right now. I am 100% okay with the Giants trading up. I don't know if that is the number one path for the New York Giants right now. So... Really, I'm kind of sitting here, Jacob, like I don't really know what my ideal offseason is. Part of me does say this, though, or think this. If, if, and I'm not sure if there's this is the way it is right now. If the Giants are certain about one of these quarterbacks, you got to go and get them. But how much is that going to cost? I don't freaking know, right? Like, I, I just, I don't have the information to really answer that question. But man, I don't know if the Giants are going to. I think you did a good job laying this out before Dan. I don't know if the Giants are going to suck enough to get the quarterback that they they love in the future. If there even is one in next class. I or even if there is that. one. So it's like, say they do love Drake May and one of the teams picking ahead of them doesn't or they they just want to go in another direction. You feel that process out through you know phone calls and, and the relationships you have in the league. I think you got to figure out a way to get that guy. And then go from there. Because if not, I don't know. I don't know if you're going to get any more chances for specifically for Brian Dable, but maybe even for Joe Shane. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. What's going on, Big Blue Banter listeners? I'm excited for the football season for several reasons. And one of those reasons is Prize Picks, which is North America's largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform. And it's so simple to use. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including professionals, sharks, and people who are going to exploit you, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and you just watch the winnings roll in. It's very simple to play and gives you a little extra skin. I've set my picks in less than 60 seconds. There are so many stats to choose from, and the withdrawals of funds are easy and quick. Dan and I will be adding a segment to our show before every game where we pick our favorite stats, more or less, yards or touchdowns, what have you, and we'll be discussing why from a scheme, matchup, and game theory perspective. I love their promotions and how easy their interface is to operate at prize picks. I may select more on tackles for a loss from Bobby Okereke or Kayvon Thibodeau next game. They also do other sports as well. It's a really cool experience. Please join Dan and I in the fun of prize picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash banter and use code banter for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, go to prizepicks.com slash banter and use code banter for a first deposit match up to $100. You will not regret it. Oh, my friends, you know what time it is. You're hungry, you're starving, and you desperately need pizza. You should get the best pizza on the market. And that is, of course, Little Caesars. Make Little Caesars the official pizza sponsor of the NFL part of your game day. Order online during the Pizza Pizza pregame all day on NFL game days and even on Pro Bowl Sunday and get ready for some football fun and cheesy delicious pizza. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Either way, you win. And speaking of winning, everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game. So this is a great question. And I think ultimately, and we've done this in the past, Nick, at some point in the next maybe two or three weeks, maybe even just two weeks, 
we'll do, we should do a whole dedicated podcast to like our X step plan for the best possible offseason for the Giants, because I think that will take our, you know, it's going to be time consuming and we're going to get into it. We're going to really do the dirt nitty gritty of it. This is more of an off the t- off top of our head type of thing. So I want to start by saying that, but for me, off the top of my head, you're asking what an ideal offseason looks like for me, Jacob. And for me, it starts at the top at quarterback. So the first part of my ideal offseason is no more restructuring the Daniel Jones contract. Leave it as it is. Do not push back any more of the cap hit. It's going to be some dead cap hit no matter what they do next year. This year, already done for. It's all on the books. But next year, no matter what, they're taking a dead cap hit with Jones. It's going to be, I think, 21 or 23 million. I don't remember the exact number there. So you take that hit, you take your your, your medicine, and you eat it, and you do not further restructure that contract. So that's number one. Number two for me, and look, Jacob's asking for ideal, Nick. And number two, ideal thing for me would be teams at the top. Okay, let's start it like this. Caleb Williams won overall for the Bears. That one, I think, is locked in stone. Number two, Washington. They take Jaden Daniels. They want that style quarterback, right? They're asking for ideal. I'm going to give you ideal. Ideal is teams over-focus and over-fixate on the flaws of Drake May's tapes. And I tweeted about this the other day. There are a lot. There's some bad tape of Drake May out there. That's there. Guess what? There was a lot of bad tape of Josh Allen. And guess what? I love how Daniel Jeremiah said this last year. There's not a single perfect prospect. There's bad tape of Caleb Williams. There's bad tape of Andrew Luck. I bet if you go back and look at Stanford, you could be like, how did he not process this? How did he throw this? Look at how off target he is. Like every prospect has some bad tape. And I, and so I hope that teams, the ideal offseason for me is teams over fixate on Drake May's flaws and he drops to six and the Giants can naturally take him at six. That's ideal offseason for me. But, and the first, that's part two. The first is don't touch that Jones contract. Do not push any of that dead cap hit any further back. And then three for me, my third ideal offseason would be um, the Giants trade up for Drake May or Caleb Williams, one of those two quarterbacks. And whatever they have to give up, I hope it's not too much. I don't know, Nick. I don't care at this point. I just want some hope long-term. Again, everyone who knows me and has listened to this podcast long enough knows that I'm not thinking about 2024. I'm never thinking about the next year. Until we get a quarterback, then I will, that I believe in, then I will. I'm thinking about the future down the road. So I want some hope at that quarterback position. That's still ideal for me, number one. Then we can get into the little nitty-gritty on another pod, Nick, resigning McKinney and things like that, what we do with Barkley. But for now, that's ideal offseason for me starts at the top at quarterback, and it's one of those it's two of those three things happening. The first one, lock in the Jones. Don't touch that contract. Then one of the next two. Yeah, I love the way that you laid that out. And also, just hopefully throughout the spring and into training camp, we see some development from the freaking young players, man. We have to yeah. at this point. But that's yes. a given. Yeah, I mean, you could just talk about, like, we'll get into more of that. But, like, the offensive line, there's a lot that would be ideal there <laughs> as far as development goes and with, with the new coaching we have there. All right, Dan. Andrew Owens asks, Seen stuff saying better to run on third and four or five than to pass a so third and short. In a way, this makes sense because combo of defense, not expecting the run possible to get four or five yards. And then you can just, if you don't get those four or five yards, go for it on fourth and short. If you don't convert, Dable doesn't seem like the guy to do this because he's pass heavy. What are your thoughts? I don't really know how many coaches do this as well. That's another thing I kind of want to add. You don't really see a, a ton of coaches doing this. So that, that's another part of this as well. But Dan, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, that's a good point you made there, Nick. And I, first of all, I want to say, like, I wouldn't lean too much on what Dable is, because again, still Mike Kafka is still the play caller for the Giants, as far as I know, and as far as we know. 
Until that changes, I'm going to just say, well, half it, because you're still the guy making those decisions. I think you're right, Nick. The coaches I do tend to see do this more are the ones like the Shanahan's, like the guys with successful established run games that are consistent and that you believe in. The Giants haven't had a consistent, successful run game. Like they had good moments in 2022. They really did, especially down the stretch. But like, it never really felt to me like a consistent force that they can rely on game after game after game. Like some of these best run games in the NFL have been over the years. But to your general observation, I'm with you, Andrew. I love the idea of throwing on second and short, running on third and short. Or, you know, basically because of what you said, do what the defense is not expecting. And especially if you're the type of team, and we've talked about this in the past, Nick, that is very good at, at disguising your plays, like making your runs look like passes and making your passes look like runs. I think there's even more value to those teams that are good at that. And some coordinators are better than others. I felt like the Giants did a good job of this, really good job of this in 2022 at times. Not so great of a job of this in 2023. That would be one of my criticisms of the coaching staff. And I think there's factors for that. Like, do you trust your offensive line? Maybe you don't. But I think generally speaking, we might see more of this, Andrew. And we might not see this lean that you maybe have seen or, or think we're seeing from Dable when the personnel changes and when the run game is established in a certain way. And we're hoping that the new offensive line coach can do that. Like, we, we're hoping Priscilla can bring that in. I'm really hoping that as well. Look. I'm thinking of the Ravens and the San Francisco 49ers are the yeah. two teams with that type of rushing attack. And the Ravens are unique because they have Lamar Jackson. The San Francisco 49ers have the best rushing attack in the league. The Giants, I think, mean, how many times did we see Saquon Barkley get the ball and then get met in the backfield? And if he got back to the line of scrimmage, we're like, wow, that's really talented on Saquon Barkley's part for getting yes. back to the line of scrimmage. Like that happens too frequently for the Giants. I don't want to lay that at I don't necessarily want to lay that at the feet of Dable when that's such a reality that is so palpable whenever you turn on a Giants game. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with that because you're right about that. All right, Nick, let's do one more and then we'll get to the rest of them on different parts of the mailbag. We may do these over the week, um, but we're just just know and there were a ton of questions. Everyone whose question was asked for this one will get answered. Uh, just might not be on this part. So last question for this one, Nick, and we're going to get from our buddy J Dodge 80, another longtime listener. Thank you so much. He says, and this is a good question. He says, across successful NFL teams, what position do most of the explosive plays come from? Is it a wide receiver one, wide receiver two, RB one? Oh, if a wide receiver one can, if you're a wide receiver one, can you make up the difference with two wide receiver twos, for example, and a good but not great running back one? Or are teams with a wide receiver one dominant versus other groups, with, you know, versus a group that doesn't have wide receiver twos? How does the O line compare in all this? What are your thoughts on this, Nick? I love this question and I have no data in front of me. So I'm just going off the top of my head. I think the number one, the number one reason why an offense creates explosive plays is going to come down to the quarterback. Who is the quarterback? Now, I think the play caller is a close second too. I think play caller and quarterbacks are married into that. And I also think the, the offensive line has, has some impact. But regarding who is the recipient of the explosive play, I think a lot of that depends on how the defense is playing a specific offense, who the quarterback is, and the rapport that he has with a certain wide receiver or or whatever. But like, if I had to pick one, I guess wide receiver one would probably be it, right? But in some offenses, like we were talking about before, like San Francisco 49ers, who hyper-target their running back because it's freaking Christian McCaffrey and they have an elite rushing attack, it's going to be Christian McCaffrey. So a lot of it is really just context-dependent on the overall situation that a team has. But I'll say this, if you want to create explosive plays, your best way to improve that as an offense is just find a quarterback who, who looks down the football field and can unlock, as we say on this podcast, every inch of the football field and actually utilize every inch of the football field. This is a great question. And I thought Nick had the best answer. I think, you know, not everyone, by the way, agrees 
with what Nick Nye's take is on this. And I know that for a fact. So I'm not even saying that we're definitely right. I just know that we're very aligned on this, Nick. And it really does like you, we're going to talk. I'm going to talk and answer your question after about the, the positions you threw out there. But for me, it's quarterback by far and away one. And, and the reason I believe this is what Nick said. It's mostly, are you processing the space downfield? Because if you are and you're a great quarterback, you're throwing it into space, you're leading the ball with anticipation. And there's wide receivers have a baseline of having talented athleticism. Like just look at CJ Stroud, for example, this year. I think it's, there's many examples. It's just the first one that comes to mind. And it's one that's just so perfect because it happened this past year. He lost Nico Collins at one point. Then Tank Dell became that explosive guy. He lost Tank Dell at one point while Nico was out. Then he, then Noah Brown had two games. Noah freaking oh, yeah, Brown, dude. the Cowboys had like 200 yard receiving games. You know, those are explosive plays that were happening with Noah Brown out of nowhere because the quarterback sees the field well post snap, processes the information. It doesn't take him five seconds. He's not getting like the greatest protection in the world. He's just getting the ball out fast into space and putting the ball in the right spots for the receivers to get the ball and do things with after the catch. And that's explosive plays. Sometimes the ball is just hitting them in the hands, 40 yards down the field, another explosive play. So it starts there. And then it goes to the second part where Nick and I are very also in lockstep that play caller is the second most important thing. I think the best example of that is Ben Johnson. I don't think any of us really think Jared Goff is an explosive quarter throw play quarterback. And I don't really think that in my personal opinion, Mon Ross St. Brown would be anywhere near as good if he were drafted by any other NFL team. That's my stance on this thing. I think he has skill set that's interesting and great. And like he, he doesn't drop a lot of passes. He's explosive in and out of his breaks to an extent. But like if he didn't have Ben Johnson, I'm not so sure his career would be. I, I'm actually sure that I don't think his career would be anywhere near where it's at for Amon Ross St. Brown. I think we so, disagree. I think we disagree there. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm not I'm not saying that you're I'm not saying that your point is invalid. I still think Amon Amon Ross St. Brown is a very talented wide receiver. And in his rookie season, if I'm not mistaken, did he have Ben Johnson? Because that's a good point. I think I feel like he was there, but he might not have been. Regardless, regardless of the, even if Ben Johnson wasn't there, like to me, Amon Ross St. Brown is, is a, is a, he is, he, he's underrated. It sounds weird. Cause he's, he's, uh, he's very well, he's revered now. He's respected around the league. And I still kind of somewhat think he is underrated just cause he's like a smaller guy who is just always open. He has that type of talent. And when you watch him run routes, he's one of those players that we talk about on this podcast that just disguises his routes so True. well and understands timing in space and how to manipulate space so well to maximize throwing windows for his quarterbacks like i i love amon Ra, but i'm also like one of his biggest fans so i'm probably overselling him a bit no i don't think you're overselling like i also love amon Ra too because i like that style of receiver and i think that's most important like i think it's better than having this those like raw traits like speed and all the things that maybe he doesn't have so i generally do like i just think maybe some of the explosive that's it my point wasn't really about him as a receiver okay. just some of the explosive plays I watch when I watch Lions tape, I feel like they were really well designed and just got him in a position where like, yes, it's him, but it's also like, damn, that space that Ben Johnson found him, like led to the 20 plus there. I'm so point. glad that you brought up the Lions for, for Jay Dodge 80s question too, because they don't have that elite quarterback that you right. think of with Jared Goff, but right. they have the play caller and then they have the offensive line the and then they have the wide receiver one. So like, that's the Lions are probably the, one of the more interesting teams in the NFL pertaining to this question specifically. Yes. And that gets me a third point because those are the two big ones. And we're locked up in that. We're locked up in the third, too, though. Like for us, and I know people disagree with us, 
We'll take the line any day, every day of the week, a thousand times over a thousand over the wide receiver one, over the RB one, over the wide receiver two, over having like a good one, one, two, and three at wide receiver and a tight end. We just like, so I don't want to discredit the line. I want to make it clear. Nick and I believe in line yeah, over skill players by a margin. Cause I know people sometimes hear a quarterback discussion and think what means we hate the line. We don't hate the line. We know the line is important. We just think the quarterback is more important than the line in a lot of ways. And we, it's not that we think that we know that. And, and a lot of NFL team, every NFL team would agree with you on us on that, but I want to make it clear. Those are the big three for me. So just, to get to the next point, after we tackle those three, it's really going down the line far. But I would then agree with you, Nick, wide receiver one. But I will say this. When you have an offense that, and it's rare, we've seen only rare in NFL history. When you have an offense that has like the Gronk Hernandez, like you can locate a great Y tight end and a great move tight end. Like you then, to me, like that could lead to a lot of explosive plays. It did with the Patriots. And it leads to just such an advantage from a schematic standpoint. I know Kyle Shanahan talked a lot about that, not with two great tight ends, but with a use check at, at fullback and then also. So a Kittle, a fullback and a tight end. Um, so I think that's another interesting route to go. If you can find it, it's just so much harder to find because the bus rate at tight end is just so much higher than other positions. Yeah, especially when you have someone like Juszczyk, a fullback, someone who can align in, in, in this 21 personnel looks. Look, like not every defense is, is equipped to to uh, to um, to to play efficiently and effectively against a team like that. Now they're starting to come around a little bit more, but when the fullback was phased out over the last like 10 years, you didn't see every defense have the, the, the right linebackers to, to really play that. Cause remember the NFL, if you go back like six, seven years, the NFL kind of went to that time where like linebackers were like 220 pounds. Yeah. Right. And then when you come out there and 21 personnel with Kyle use check and you can align Kyle use check outside the numbers and he can run routes effectively, but you can also align. He's going to punch you right in the mouth. Like that gives the offense a mismatch weapon and the defense would have to find a way to, to, uh, to counter that. And they did that by either beefing up the linebackers a little bit more or incorporating three safety looks and getting these hybrid safeties out there. So just kind of not every defense had the ability to really play those teams. And I just think the, the sure. more versatile your offense is the better and teams that seem to have this, this Kyle Shanahan uh, flavor to them seem to have those types of fullbacks who can operate as tight ends and can also operate outside the numbers. You just do so many different, like creative, cool things with them. Yeah. Agreed on that. All right. That's all the time we have for part one of the mailbag. We're trying to try to keep these more concise and just do them in more parts for those who have told us, you know, you want to listen to, have a time block where you want to listen to our show. So we're going to do that. We're going to wrap up there. Thanks so much for tuning in. If your question wasn't answered, rest assured, it will be answered on the next part or the part after that. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. 